Hey, it's Don Coscarelli. I'm the uh, writer-director of Phantasm, The Beastmaster, Bubba Hotep, and John dies at the end. And you're listening to Geeks of the Industry. For all you horror and sci-fi geeks out there, like me. History of Horror from GeeksOfTheIndustry.com And now your host, Chunky Larry. Greetings fellow insomniacs and welcome to another episode of the Creature Features Podcast on GeeksOfTheIndustry.com I'm your host, my name is Chunky Larry. And by the middle of the 1990s, director John Carpenter was coming to the end of his contract with Universal. Owing one more film to the studio, the director was tasked with reimagining the John Wyndham novel The Midwich Cuckoos. But his disenchantment with the studio system and frustration with the production led to a lapse of ambition on behalf of the master of horror and a lapse of interest with the audience. On April 28, 1995, John Carpenter's Village of the Damned was released, putting anyone who came near it to sleep. Precisely 10 a.m. in a quiet seaside village. Something happened. Something unexplainable. Something unbelievable. There's a lot of pregnancies, much more than would normally be expected. All the pregnancies seem to date from the day of the blackout. Oh no. 
This week on the show, the very first official review of 2018. I like that. Uh, We're going to start out strong. We're going to start out hot. We're going to start out with our tits hanging out. (laughs) See, I told you. I I didn't even even wait. I I didn't want to build it up. You didn't even give it time. Uh, No, no. Just titties are out. It's 2018. New year, new me. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we are going to be doing a new theme, new year, new me, new theme. Uh, this this theme this month for this year of 2018, uh, we are going to be covering a theme that I've been meaning to get around to, uh, just because it's kind of squicky and you know, being a parent, uh, I feel that it's it's one of those themes that definitely you know holds its place specifically for. Uh, people that grew up with the horror genre are now um, adults with children of their own and consuming horror. And uh, with all of that long-winded breakdown of what it is, uh, this month's theme will be Suffer the Children, where children will either be victims or victimizers. And it's it's an area where people kind of shy away from and rightfully so, because it, it, like I said, it's kind of squeaky. Uh, but if I'm gonna go, if I'm gonna go there, uh, I'm gonna go there with somebody that I built a budding relationship with uh, towards the end of 2017. 
I, I mentioned this, but you've you really seen it bloom into full-fledged bromance uh, in our review of Sorority House Massacre. If you haven't listened, go back and check that one out. I am talking, of course, about the lovely, talented, and vivacious Miss Erica Kuhau. How you doing? Hello. You see that? And I remembered your name. You did. You did good. Yeah. You did real good. I, you, I was surprised. Yeah. Most people don't. Everybody uh, butchers that. I'm just used to it by now. I just roll with it. You can uh, call well, me whatever. I, I'm like one of those Twitter-pitted teens where where you remember, you, you say it over and over again until it's it's fresh in your memory. Until you get it, yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's what I was doing the past month since we did the show i was like she's gonna be she's gonna be the first one on the year i gotta i gotta really get this down <laughs> i'm so excited that i'm the i'm the first guest of the year too yeah you know i i, I figure about that i figure you know if i'm gonna if i'm gonna fucking do this for another year uh i'm gonna do it with somebody that i genuinely really enjoy and i'm gonna do it with a director that i absolutely love and uh, the director that we're going that we are going to be discussing because words are hard for me. I can remember names, but I can't remember how to talk. Is the wonderful, talented um, hero, Mr. John Carpenter. For a lot of people, uh, John Carpenter, you know, he's known for his work uh, very early on, late '70s, early '80s, specifically. Uh, Halloween is the one that most people recognize John Carpenter for. Uh, but for me personally, Carpenter was one of those guys that I could literally just tear apart a a fucking John Carpenter movie. Like I, I've I've absorbed his work, uh, just kind of like everything. Like you know, I, I'm super obsessed with the movie Body Bags uh, because I, I'm just a fucking John Carpenter nerd. And I, every time I get the chance to talk about Carpenter, it's a good fucking day. Always um, a good day. Yeah, so uh, this is this is kind of towards the... Uh, let's not even fucking face it. This is in the eye of the hurricane of his decline uh, as mm-hmm. far as him as a filmmaker. Um, it's, it's a hard one to talk about because... It, it does really feel like he tapped out. And, you know, uh, the film that predated this one was In the Mouth of Madness. Oh, by the way, we're, we're going to be discussing Village of the Damned. I, I just want to get on my little John Carpenter box for uh, just a minute. My little soapbox. Uh, and In the Mouth of Madness, you know, I covered it last year, is a fantastic film. It's dark. It's got, you know, all of these really kind of dreamlike qualities to it. Uh, but it, it felt like at this point he had just kind of said, you know, straight up, I don't care anymore. And you, you look at the film that we're going to be discussing and then the three films that followed, you know, because he, he made three fucking movies. Uh, 96 he made Escape from LA which was just a very disappointing uh, follow up to the phenomenal Escape from New York mm-hmm. then he made uh, Ghost of Mars in 2001 and uh, Vampires in 1998 uh, Ghost of Mars to me and, and you know I don't know a lot of people that take this sentiment as, as much as I do but I feel like Ghost of Mars was essentially um, him doing 
almost like a remake of his own film Assault on Precinct 13, which is a masterpiece, and, and Ghosts of Mars is not. Um, <laughs> but, but he, you know, he was an older guy at this point. He was very kind of set in his ways, and it just kind of, and, and he's actually quoted as saying uh, about the film that we're going to be discussing, Village of the Damned, that this was more of a contractual obligation rather than him wanting to make this film. Uh, this also stands as the second uh, adaptation or remake that John Carpenter had done. Uh, the first being, you know, the, the the thing, which is, as anybody will attest, one of his greatest works to date, which was vastly underappreciated when it was released and and kind of lambasted to the point that he became very cynical when it came to dealing with Hollywood and kind of ostracized himself just because he had put in so much work into the film and for it to be received the way that it did um, really just kind of altered the course of his career because if you think about where you know the thing was as opposed to where he was with like the fog where you know he's hot off the hills of uh, you know Halloween and it being this this mega you know multi-million dollar franchise that you know was kind of spawned off of this independent film that he had made uh, didn't really think nothing of it but it made him kind of the toast of the town and he was you know even though the fog has its has its faults it was it was kind of um not until at least in my opinion the thing that he had had his first critical failure and he didn't handle it well and you you can look at his work kind of following the thing and you see this element of just venom in everything that he says and he does he, he became very much more uh preoccupied with being paid and I mean, I get it. You know, <laughs> you 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 can be great at something and then hate the thing that you're great at, and you know, you you do it kind of because that's what you're expected to do. Yeah, but, that's exactly. But there's there's this kind of it's almost like when you're in a relationship with someone that should have ended years ago, but you guys are still kind of there, just holding it out because you don't know anything else. And, mm -hmm. and that's because of your kids or something like that yeah that's what this feels like and uh, but, but you know I without uh, giving too much of my opinion of this film uh, <laughs> which I kind of already have uh, let's read the synopsis for 1995's Village of the Damned we got a better better one than we had last time right uh, yeah, this one might be a little bit better. This is by Rob Hartiel, and, you know, again, whenever whenever they want to give their names, I'm going to cite them. That way I can uh, call them on the carpet if they fuck up. Yes! An American village is visited by some unknown life form, which leaves the women of the village pregnant. Nine months later, the babies are born, and they all look normal, but it doesn't take the parents long to realize that the kids are not human or humane. I think that's good. Yeah, that was good without, like, totally giving away everything. That was a decent one. Yeah, that's, good like, job. the first act. 
and and it like teases where it goes. Uh, this film is a remake of a 1960s film of the same name, um, and that film itself was based on a book, um, and it was called uh, The Midwich Cuckoos. <laughs> and in in preparation for talking about this film, which I absolutely love, um, well, not this film, uh, the 1960s version really fucking phenomenal I, I watched it again uh it's it's a lot of fucking fun and it and it's you know i know you guys uh, a couple weeks back now uh did your first decade horror uh discussion mm-hmm. on the 1960s we you, did yeah I, like really fun episode by the way you guys if you haven't listened definitely check out uh their episode on psycho and Carnival of Souls. And we had so really much fun, fun doing that episode too. We really did. And Sierra was just gushing on Carnival of Souls. It made me watch it. She she was actually she just peeped in and she was waving at the mic, but I made her run away. <laughs> Get hi, away, here, Sierra! There she is. Oh hi. What's <laughs> up with this? Wow, we've got a special guest on the show. <laughs> I'm just, I just, I just don't, don't see how Erica keeps getting on and I, you haven't invited me on yet, do you? Because I talk about titties and you don't. There we, we got that, it in. Two titties. That's now there's said. two. Did you hear Dylan? He just choked. Dylan choked and said, God damn it, in the background. because see that? To beat We've got everybody but joke. Steven. <laughs> Everybody's here but Steven. Um... So always, it, we're always it, here, except for Steven. <laughs> Horror Haven is here in spirit, you guys. Hi and goodbye. <laughs> you gonna go make some soup? No, fuck that. <laughs> Dude, she got bojangles, don't let me I got some fucking bojangles. Wow. <laughs> go eat your chicken, get out of here. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Oh boy. Um, but yeah, uh, the nineteen sixties film was uh, was incredible. It's it's kind of unique, and you know it it really holds up. Like I like I said, I just watched it again, kind of in preparation to discuss this film, and I I kind of feel like that might have been a mistake. I agree, and this is why. So I. I don't ask questions, and I don't know why. I never was like that. And then I started doing this podcast, and you have no idea how often I have to call Dylan and go, what movies are we covering? (laughs) So stupid me was like, yes, I want to do Village of the Damned. And I forgot to ask you if we were doing the original or the remake. So So you watched them both? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, god damn it. And I like, thank God, we were supposed to record last week, and thank God we didn't, because... I had watched the original, and then I was like, maybe he meant the, the original, or the um, the remake, so I watched the remake. So I, I'm on the same page as you, I've watched them both, but going back on it, it was kind of a bad idea to watch the, the original, because I really love the original, Yeah. and um, yeah, so I won't, I won't give too much away, you go on. And uh, this film was shot in Northern California, uh, so it's also very near and dear to my heart. In that respect, it's got one of my... Like, I have a Mount Rushmore of filmmakers, uh, horror-specific. And on that Mount Rushmore is Wes Craven, George Romero, John Carpenter, and Dario Argento. 
Those are my four favorite horror film directors. They're all inspirations to me. And some would say, you know, Hitchcock. But I didn't really necessarily consider him a horror film director. I considered him more of a suspense director. Yeah, uh, so, you know, for my money, it's those four. And, you know, I've only got two of them left alive. So I, I hold on to them and I, and I cherish them while I can. Uh, but uh, at the time they were filming this, uh, this was uh, where Carpenter was living. He, he lived relatively close to where they were making the film. Uh, specifically, uh, he fell in love with the film, or the area when they were shooting The Fog, so much so that he bought a house there. And it was during the making of this one that he kind of became burned out by that area because everybody in the area were being dicks because they didn't want people filming in their in their neighborhood. They had to pay a guy to turn off his fucking lawnmower and his chainsaw. Like, he was just trying to disrupt the set and the the trucks were being vandalized like there was there was a lot of issues with the filming in this location not to mention that he was already kind of mentally and emotionally tapped out on making films and then you're confronted with all this it's kind of fitting that you know his next film is escape from la because it it stands to reason that he's it's more less of a title more of a mindset <laughs> because you know, it, it, he just, he really feels like he's just, he's turned it off. You know what I mean? Like that light is no longer on in his heart or in his head. And, um, you know, I, I think with the exception of maybe a handful of the performances, specifically uh, Christopher Reeve, who this was also his last film, uh, shortly after this film was made, he was in a very horrific accident uh horse riding accident horseback riding yep which uh, paralyzed him for the rest of his life and he was you know confined to a wheelchair he, you know he eventually would act uh, he did things like smallville where he played a wheelchair bound doctor <laughs> you know what i'm saying like, I, I feel like your roles are kind of limited in yeah uh like it, it, it makes me and i know this is gonna go into a fucked up place but you know i got the kuhat line here uh but i at disneyland they used to have the aladdin show that's been uh gotten rid of in in sake of uh the frozen show now which oh, it's God. like a stage play and they act out the movie for you know a group of people like they do it i think like three times in the day and oh, they shuffle God. fucking people in and it's it's really cool um at least the aladdin one is i didn't watch the frozen one anyway. uh but the one thing that always just really stuck with me is you know because it's disneyland they have to employ everybody so they have this fucking woman <laughs> oh god this fucking little portly uh latino woman who's in a wheelchair she's she's bound to this chair it's one of those electric chairs and they work her in <laughs> just like <laughs> so bad because you know you know you're going to hell because all you're doing the entire time she's on stage is making wheelchair jokes Oh Jesus! What does she do? What is her? What was she doing? She she they they put like a flag on the back of her wheelchair, you know, for the 
Make way for Prince oh Ali. Oh my god. And, and <laughs> 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 I told you I was taking a good laugh. Damn you. She's the freaking. <laughs> like, wherever they can get, you know, because they have the, the extras play different characters. So then there's the one jump ahead of the long man. Uh, and. She's the one that's still. I think he's rather tasty. Are you serious? <laughs> yes, dude. Oh my god. Uh, uh, <laughs> and I just like I'm sitting there with the wife, and I'm just like, oh, she fucking affirmative action the shit out of these people. <laughs> I thought, just so everybody knows, we're all going to hell, but Larry's driving the bus. Oh yeah, I'm Larry's like Freddy in Nightmare Two. <laughs> so fucked up. That's all I can be able to picture. <laughs> <laughs> She's, and they, they put the little turban on her. Oh my god! Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I can't. I can't not think of that. Not laugh. I just. It's it's special, you guys. Um, oh <laughs> Poor Christopher Reeve. Uh, he's he's actually he's really great in this movie. Uh, I also enjoy Kirstie Alley, who, again, I, I feel very much like Carpenter was souring on Hollywood at this point because she had a killer cast though because Mark Hamill was in it. Yeah, which I thought it was funny that they used the force on him. Uh, yeah, I know. Not for nothing. Like, like I'm screaming when he's putting the gun to his head. I'm just like, use the force, Luke. <laughs> you got this. He didn't know. He didn't. Uh, you've seen the new Star Wars, right? Yes. All right, yeah, you guys. Spoiler alert. He dies. <laughs> it was so. It was so good. Did you like it? I hated it. No. Yeah, I did. Oh, you did like it. No, I hated it. You hated it? I hated it. It really hurt my feelings. <laughs> it hurt your feelings. I, I, I went to the movie theater in my fucking little Star Wars shirt, and I've got like a like one of those uh, Star Wars Letterman jackets. Yeah. Uh, I went with all that shit on, the dumb little regalia. I fucking walked out, I took my jacket off, and I was like, fuck this movie! <laughs> oh my god. So we have this, there's a company here, it's called... Rebellion Transport, uh-huh. and he, uh, he, like, it's, he has, like, a huge van, and it's, like, it's, like, oh, a party no. bus, and it's decked <laughs> out in, um, Star Wars stuff, and he, he comes in every time, and he decorates the whole theater, and, like, um, he has, like, an R2 replica, and he's got, like, a Darth Vader replica, and well, he was dressed as a stormtrooper last time, wasn't he? Yeah, he was dressed as a stormtrooper, and like he'll have people dressed up like different characters and stuff, and they like post out outside of the theater. And um, so we, I'm an asshole this year because I broke tradition. But when um, when the Force Awakens came out, we went for we went Christmas Day. Uh-huh. Uh, like we ditched the kids and went went and nice. saw Star Wars. And then uh, when Rogue One came out, we did it, and we were supposed to do it this year, but I had to. Uh, Spend time with Christmas. your family on Christmas. No, no, no. I had to. I had to. I was supposed to work Christmas Eve or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, I we ended up going um, 
a couple days before. So uh, Sierra and Dylan are still really bitter with me about that, but um, I really liked it. I I, I did. I I'll, I'll I'll say it. I'll be the shit bag. I don't care. Yeah, no, it's fine. I I hated it so much the first time I saw it. I've watched it four times. So you couldn't have hated that bad, Larry? No, no, times. I I hate it, but I I was just trying to force myself to like it. Yeah, like, it still like, just wasn't happening. Like, I, I just kept saying, like, maybe I'm just so upset that I'm not allowing myself to enjoy it. And I and I saw it in 3D, and, and you know, I, I got all the bells and the whistles, and, you know, a giant thing of soda, and I just, I couldn't, I couldn't. And I know that this is a deviation from Village of the Damned, but uh, it's, a, it's a necessary deviation. I fucking hate that fucking movie. Uh, uh, see, I, I did like it. I liked yeah. it. Um, uh, and we're, we're we're Star Wars nerds. We are all of us actually yeah. collectively. It's a group thing. But um, I I did like it. Uh, I think that there's definitely um, it's not the strongest one by anyone, but um, it's definitely better than the first two prequels. Uh, I'll yeah. give it I'll give it that, but only the first two because that third prequel is hard. <laughs> like. Uh, and, I, and I get a lot of flack for saying that I love Revenge of the Sith, but I, mm-hmm. I love Revenge of the Sith. Really? Yeah. Uh. Order 66, killing younglings, the Mustafar lightsaber battle. We are getting so far away from Village of the Damned. Okay, one more thing, though. My all-time favorite meme ever is, it, it says, it's Anakin, and it says when you're done killing younglings, so you start killing yinlings, and it's him holding two beers. It is my all-time favorite. That's a good one. It is. I don't know why, but it is. It's my favorite. Uh, one last thing. No. <laughs> okay. Now we've gotten that out of our system. <laughs> back to now the that movie we're back itself. on topic. Okay. Uh, the the stuff that they do in this movie just seems unnecessary. And and what I mean by that is there's there's nothing that they add to this film that wasn't already there except for violence and I, I, I but I think that, that like the the addition of the violence I don't think it was necessary because I think the original and I'm not I don't want to you know I don't want to compare the movies all night but I think that the original was done very well and I don't think that there was much that needed to be redone about it at all um, but I think that the the addition of the violence to the newer one um, was was unnecessary, and it didn't add anything to the movie by having it, other than maybe some time, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, like it lengthened it. But um, I think that it just I, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that it's a '90s movie. Yeah, and you know, I've I've gone on record as saying the '90s was the worst decade so far. Uh, for horror, uh, mm-hmm. I would even go so far as to say '90s, early 2000s, till about 2010 were were really rough decades. That 20-year jump of oh yeah, of I agree with that completely. 1990 and 2010. Just... <sighs> yeah, they're they're pretty they're pretty much like I mean there's some decent ones there are, but for the most part I agree with that and I think that it's it was a lot of trash, but. And see, I also feel that, you know, part of that is, you know, my mindset at least is, you know, they're, you're coming off the 80s, which was the decade of the slasher films. And oh, everything yeah. was about excess and you, you get 
you know, these franchises titties. that they yes, titties, of course, titties. You can't you can't do a horror film without titties, or at least you couldn't in the eighties. Uh, now you can absolutely get away. Like there are horror films that are PG thirteen. Fuck that. Fuck that. There is no reason for that. Absolutely uh, no reason for that. Take your silly ass home. The Ring. <laughs> but, all of them. Yeah, all of yeah. them. And I like I, I understand why they do stuff like that though. So I, I I think that the reason that they do that obviously is because they're they're wanting to get younger people into it. And I, I think that's awesome because I, I, I feel like that's I was introduced to horror at a young age, so it's like that's where that love comes from. And I, I understand that they're wanting to be inclusive with with younger people seeing it and stuff like that, but I I feel like when they they put that PG thirteen on it, you get such a lower quality movie than and, and some of them you see them and you're like you know like it's a PG thirteen movie and you know right off the bat you're like this is gonna be crap, and then you watch it and you're like yeah it was crap, but you see where there could have been extra stuff added in that could have made it so much better, but it was it was either cut or it just wasn't put in there so that they could get that rating. And see, for me, as a, as a young man, I looked at horror films, and, and I've said this before on other shows, uh, I looked for the films that were banned in all of these countries, you know, because there was this allure of things that you're not supposed to watch. It, you know, and... You can you can get away with doing that still, you know, because we we live in this society that is very, I I would even say more so now than it was in the '90s. Uh, so worried about offending people and being politically correct mm-hmm. that you know the the counterculture is supposed to be the balance of those things. You know, you can have. Your, your mainstream society that kind of looks down at these things uh, but they're that guilty pleasure that you're able to go to and it and it's like a rite of passage I feel for a young man or woman in their early teens to 20s and you know it's supposed to be this this thing that you're not supposed to watch it's it's mm-hmm. again it's taboo it's this it's you know who might see a booby. <laughs> might see, might see something slip. Yeah, yeah. You, Talking nipples. You, you know, but the the problem is, is that then it's an escalation, and that's what happened in the nineties. Is it escalated to the point that they had gotten so far that the only logical place to go was to pull back, and mm-hmm. you're starting to see that because they pulled back so far, it's like a like a slingshot you know you're pulling it so far back it's going to fire off into the stratosphere and and that's what you're seeing now with movies like the void and with it and you know all these films that are coming out right now feel like they're they're kind of you know ah all that all that stuff that's been pinted pinned up inside and again we're getting away from you guys village of the damned wasn't good uh, I I really don't think that, with the exception, uh, I'll say this: the the scene where they corner Kirstie Alley and make her give herself an autopsy, and you see the the fucking mate for David in a in a tube. 
uh, full of liquid, and it, yep. it's clearly not humanoid. It's it's got this very alien quality, and it's got the Y incision. Uh, like that was a nice touch, you know, because it it's it was implied in the first film that there was something otherworldly about them. But then you see it, and it's like, okay, I, I can fucks with that. That's interesting. <laughs> but there's not enough of that. You know, you get Michael Perret in the beginning of the film, and he just drives into a bus and fucking blows up her truck. And it's, yep. you know, like, like there's, there's just really nothing there. And I, like, I wanted, I wanted to enjoy this. I, I really wanted to enjoy it. Uh, because I'm a fan of John Carpenter, because I, at one point, like, Christopher Reeve was my Superman. So you got Superman, you got Luke Skywalker, and you've got the mom from Look Who's Talking, and, you know, the replacement in Cheers. And it's like, that in itself, I'm like, okay, I'm fucking in. And you could even go a step further and say, you got Superman and the Joker this week. Yep. <laughs> but it, it just, it falls so flat and again I feel that that's because Carpenter had nothing that he wanted to say so he just went through the motions exactly and he didn't he didn't put it, it was like it wasn't there was he took the movie and with a lot of remakes you see like they they take the the foundation and they follow the the structure of it, but they tweak it here and there and make it their own so that you can, at least by watching it, you can usually tell, like, who had their hands in it. Mm-hmm. And, and with this... From a visual standpoint, you see the quality, or you see the, the like, Carpenter's fingerprint, his visual fingerprint, the, mm-hmm. the aspect ratio, the film itself, like, the look of the film, it feels inherently Carpenter. Even the soundtrack, to, or the score to a certain extent, feels Carpenter, but it all just feels muted. Exactly. And, and it there's... doesn't feel like it was... It was like a, exa- like he did it, but there that extra effort that he puts puts forth was just like gloss. Yeah. It, it just it felt like a... Oh, by the way. Like, like here, here's an example. It, it felt like sleepwalking. Mm-hmm. You that know, is a good way to put it. You could... You can go to the bathroom when you're sleepwalking. You can pour yourself a bowl of cereal and set it down at a table and then just fall asleep with a bowl of cereal at your at, in front of you. I've, I've got a cousin who is a sleepwalker and has done exactly that. And, you know, you, you can do these things so much because you've done them forever. You know, they're second nature to you. That even in your unconscious mind, you can do the most rudimentary things without really doing And that's what this felt like, is it, it didn't feel just like... Just going through the motions, like, yeah. And and it just, it, it's kind of disappointing, it's kind of sad, you know, because you, you take a, a product that really fucking worked, the 1960 fucking film, really, like, in a lot of ways, you know with the town falling asleep and them doing the thing where they they go into the town and you know they have the guy on the rope and he like faints and drag him back out of the town like all of that stuff is really fucking clever and it's all there in this movie 
but you've already seen it, and you've seen it done better. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the problem. Like, you shouldn't take excellent source material and an excellent director and then put out a piss-poor product. That was, like, one of one of my biggest arguments with it that kind of, like, it, it bothered me. It really did, and it was a visual thing, is that in the, in the 60s version, the way that they did the kids' eyes... Mm-hmm. was phenomenal like they were they were creepy they were genuinely creepy and you know it, it, and it could be because it was black and white I, I i'm not sure i just the children the way that the kids were in the in the original 60s version they were creepy and they were done well and the the filming was done well and going into the the 95 version you know, you're starting to touch in with the CGI and stuff like that, and you can tell by their eyes. Mm-hmm. And maybe if you, you know, took one of them and black and white, hit it with like a black and white filter just to see, but it's still like they, the kids just weren't as creepy to me as they were in the original, um, which kind of took away from the film for me a little bit because it's, it's based on these kids and that, you know, the, the fear that you're getting from them and I just don't think that they struck as much fear in me as the original um, as the kids from the original movie did. I will say that I thought that the David character was much more fleshed out in this film than it was in the original and mm-hmm. uh, like I, I'm, I'm trying like desperately to find something in this film that they did better in this um and actually, a fun fact about that kid, uh, David, that's Thomas Decker, who was, um, I don't know if you've watched the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street, but he was one of the guys in the remake. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. He's. I've I, seen the remake, but I didn't know that. I want to say he's the, the character who's supposed to be Rod. Um, but he doesn't. He does not survive. Basically, um, if I'm not mistaken, he's the one that uh, you know. Freddy does the thing where he says that you know you are alive after, or your brain is alive for I think six minutes after you die. So that's six minutes of playtime. That kid. <clears throat> I'm, I'm googling this. Fact checking for a friend. Give me a second. Uh huh. And. Uh, the, the character Mara in this film, I also really enjoyed, but the rest of the children are forgettable, you know, but I think that that's kind of by design that they, they make those two the most important, but, you know, I feel like there was much more of a hive mentality in the original as opposed to this remake. And in this one, it's, you know, it's those two characters. It's the Mara and it's the David. And then everybody else is just kind of fodder in the background. Mm-hmm. Even though they're all supposed to be important. In reality, it's only those two. And I thought that uh, the, the young actress that played Mara felt very 90s young actress in, in the sense that you know she she probably rolled her eyes a lot when she talked oh if yeah. you catch what i'm saying oh yeah <laughs> my mom says i'm a star <laughs> so she, i'm trying she, i've seen her in something else too and i'm trying to think of what i've seen her in uh she was played by Lindsay hong i think that's how you pronounce it hong hound 
and uh, she's uh, uh, she was done. She was in Shrooms. She's appeared on Bones. Oh, maybe that's it. And yeah, bunch of bunch of garbage. Uh, True Blood. That's where I've seen her from. Okay. Yeah. But uh, yep. I, I think that this is probably, if I were a betting man, the highlight of her career, which is yeah, more than depressing. likely. Yeah, that's a little um, sad. But uh, you know, then there there's the Carpenter alums that appear in this. Um, you know, this isn't the only time that uh, Mark Hamill has appeared in a Carpenter film. He was actually in uh, Body Bags, which I think I mentioned at the beginning of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you also get George Buckflower, who's been in just about everything the Carpenter's ever done. Um, all The Fog and Escape from New York, respectively, is the one who had the uh, bracelet on in Escape from New York. I knew I was the president when I put this on. And um, Peter Jason, who I absolutely love. I think he's fucking great. And he's he's just a just bigger than life kind of character actor. He, he also feels very just kind of muted and reserved in this film. Um, you know, so there's, there's elements of this that feel absolutely like a Carpenter film. And then... There's just so much of it that just feels like I'm tired. Just give me money. Here, action. I guess. <laughs> and and I think that like I, that I think is what what's frustrating about it is because you you go into this knowing that it's a carpenter, and I think that it automatically gives you higher expectations than what you're getting. And I think that that was another thing that was frustrating for it. Um, it's definitely not the worst thing I've ever seen. So I know that it kind of sounds like we're like really like really talking shit about it, and it, it's not it's not the case. Because um, it is it is a, it is a good movie. Uh, it's in my opinion one of the better ones to come out of of the '90s. Um, could it have been better? Absolutely. Um, and I think that that's just because the original was done so well. And I know that I. I keep going back to that, and that's my fault because I shouldn't have watched the original over again. Honestly, I should have just I, I, let it I feel sit. like you're absolutely right to have that feeling because you expect more. You expect more from the interpretation of the source material, and you expect more from Carpenter as a director. Yeah, this and is... I think that, that it, it, the source material was there, though. That's just it. And it was the original was awesome. And hold on one second, Dylan. Have you ever seen the original um, Village of the Damned from the 60s? You need to get on that because it's awesome. Yeah. Um, so it's it just, it's it's a, it really is a solid movie. And it was, in my opinion, it's it's definitely, we just covered the 60s on, on Horror Haven. And um, it's that 60s vibe. And, and you, if you, you listen to the our, our 60s episode, we had not a single bad thing to say about any of the movies that we watched um, from the 60s. And this, I would, in- the, the original Village of the Damned, I would include in that. Um, if if I had to give the original Village of the, of the Damned a, a Horror Haven score, it would have scored somewhere in the the high, high, high eights, mid nines for me. Um, it's a good movie. It, it really is. It's a really, really good movie. Um, 
and this this just it didn't hit the mark for me and it it was a little bit of a letdown because like I said I mean I was just I was expecting so much more especially from John Carpenter and just knowing what the original was like and um I don't say this very often I've, I've said it a couple times on Horror Haven but this is a remake I would like to see remade um I don't know who I'd like to see remake it but I, I do think that there's a lot here that could be done with this film and it'd be really interesting to see. I think if they went into it less of doing a remake and more of doing an adaptation of the book, very much like what they did yeah. with the with the film It, that they would be better served. And I think that if they'd have done that in this rather than just flat out going through the motions of the original film, because that's what this absolutely felt like like beat for beat it, it, it is felt like, it really is um they were just following the template of the first film uh but you you gave your horror haven rating of the 60s film now i want you to give me the reapers for this one reapers for this one Ooh. um like you said it is it's one of the better ones to come out of uh, the 90s, especially the early 90s, in my opinion. Um, I think I'm going to go with a solid... And remember, zero is the lowest, five is the yeah. highest. I'm going to give it a... You don't do those quarter numbers like oh, I get no, away you with go for it. Oh, no, you go for it. I'm going to give it two and three quarters um it's not quite a three for me <clears throat> i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna Just score a little seven. bit lower uh, and and i'm only gonna score it a little bit lower because i have such an affinity for carpenter i you know i literally said i he's on my mount rushmore he's he's the washington of my mount rushmore he is legitimately when i went out to make movies myself he was the reason why um He's, you know, an inspiration and in, in literally, like, in all of the filmmakers that have ever existed, the one that has spoken to me the most from a visual standpoint and his approach to making films. And because of those reasons, this really bugged me. This movie absolutely disappointed me. And Do you feel personally victimized by this movie, Larry? I, I feel about as upset walking out of this one as I did The Last Jedi. Oh, no! And in the sense that I have preconceived expectations and belief of how they should treat something in this vein. And this was such a letdown that had I not have those preconceived beliefs about John Carpenter, much like I had preconceived beliefs about the way that Luke Skywalker should be treated, um, I probably would have enjoyed them more. So, with that being said, I'm going to come in with a 1.3. Ooh, I definitely gave it higher than you. Yeah. It's got a little bit of a nostalgia thing for me, too, because I remember when it, um, when it came out, um, and... I begged, I literally begged my dad to let me watch it because it had damn in the title and I thought I was a badass because I had a bad word in the title. Mm -hmm. And um, I was like, yo, please let me watch this. Mind you, the man let me watch the movie seven 
when I was like in elementary school and he fought me on letting me watch this but he finally gave and let me watch it um my dad my dad always let me watch shit I probably shouldn't have been watching um like when we were little he let me and my cousin watch Chucky when he was watching us one time and uh we watched Child's Play and it was like right after Christmas and uh we had both gotten uh, my buddy and kid sister dolls for Christmas because nice. we were about the same age and uh we got pet monsters Dude, my cousin made my dad take, like, every toy out of his room, except for maybe his, like, Ninja Turtle action figures, and put them all on the porch, because he was deathly afraid of the doll. He's like, fuck up. And after that, he used to chase him, used to chase him around the house with him, like, he'd go out on the porch and get him and chase him around the house with him, he was terrified of him. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's a little bit of a nostalgic thing for me, too, so. And, and I did, uh, I really, if you have not seen the original, watch the original. Yeah, don't it's watch so, this one. Just watch the 60s awesome. version. I've uh, gotten a really big appreciation for the 60s, too, after watching um, Psycho and uh, Carnival of Souls. Um, they really... Uh, By the way, Steven ruined that score. You, uh, did fucking, he not? Oh, I was so he mad. He had a vendetta, I'm telling you. He had a vendetta against Sarah because she gave Halloween a low score. And he completely shit on Carnival of Souls. Larry just goes, Steven, fuck that score, by the way. <laughs> he did. We were all like, Steven, what the fuck? Because what was it that what, the week before he scored something like Black Christmas, which Black Christmas was awesome, don't get me wrong, but he gave Black Christmas a 10 out of fucking 10, and he wanted to give Carnival of Souls, like, what did he give it, like an 8? I don't even think it was a high 9. I think it was like a mid 9, maybe. I don't even know. He He's brought a- he brought uh, Psycho up a little bit over a nine, but it was like eight point nine. It was like fuck you, that movie's perfect. It is. That's just it. And like I I like I like like I'm a big um since since doing this because uh and just a little background for you know for you and anybody who hasn't um listened to Horror Haven before um I just started out listening to them and um. I was giving them some feedback on uh, their content and different things that they were covering and stuff like that. And um, eventually I got roped into this. And uh, I say that like I don't love it. I do. It's it's become like a huge hobby for me. And it's it's been really, it's really fun. It gets my old ass out of the house and away from the kids. So, we all need um, yeah. So it's it's been really interesting for me because I, while I, I, I like to, I, I thought that I was a, uh, a horror fan to begin with, but since doing this, I, there's, I half these movies. I'm like, I've never seen it before. So I go into a lot of it, like completely open-minded because I, I haven't seen it before. And my appreciation for the older, like anything, probably like mid seventies and down, um, has grown like completely like I they're just so the artistry behind them is amazing and the just the amount of everything that went into them and it's whether it's the cinematography or the practical effects or just like I just have a huge appreciation for them so doing the 60s especially I was so blown away by how amazing all the movies that we covered that week were um and this one Ironically enough, I kind of watched it during that same time span, so um, it's still it's just such a it's a well well done movie. And damn it, John Carpenter, what'd you do? Yeah. Why didn't? Why? Yeah, I feel I feel I feel victimized a little bit by that. Yeah. 
Um, Me it, too. It, it hurts. It hurts. Eh? Not quite as much as you being hurt by Me the last too. Jedi, but somewhere, somewhere in. Yeah. Uh. So I mean, you you've kind of plugged it, but please, by all means, plug the show. If you want to get Dylan and Sira in here to plug as well, by all means, Dylan, the floor is you guys. Get over here and plug our show, guy. Why you do it? <laughs> exactly. You see what? Oh, that's I, I that's staying in the show. Now, he's hoping he's hoping that there's gonna be like I don't know like a a podcast draft and they can draft me to your podcast and get rid of me. Here, Dylan's coming. Hit us with it. I'm just doing plugs. Yeah. Yeah, plugs, man. <laughs> um, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Horror Haven Podcast, on Twitter at Horror underscore Haven, and... That's fucking it. Yeah, check out our podcast. <laughs> That's fucking it! And then two days later, you're like, I got rid of the website. Like, God damn it. Hey, hey, uh, Big D, is he still there? Yeah, what's up? Hey, uh, what are you guys covering this month? What are we covering this month? Yeah. Uh, we're doing decades and horror. We usually, we don't do themed months, that's your thing. <laughs> but, uh, no, we're going in reverse order. We started with the 60s, and um, we're going back. I'm actually working right now on editing our 1950s episode, so by the time this comes out, that should be up. Uh, we're taking a look at every decade and, like, some random movies from the decade and seeing how filming and just tones, everything has changed from what we're used to today to we're ending with the 20s, which you're on that episode with the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Can't wait. And uh, you're going the, the to the 50s episode. Stephen. The 50s episode is um, the Blob, right? You guys are coming yeah. on the Blob. Yes, bitch. Yeah. We did uh, the Blob, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and The Silent Earth. So we did some sci-fi movies. Dude, and, and Invasion of the Body Snatchers also. I I did a uh, I did a month. Uh, or not a month, an entire summer dedicated to remakes the, the first year that we were doing the show and I did the, the 80s version of The Blob with Kevin Dillon where he's licking faces and shit and uh, one of the things that I was doing when we were doing the remakes, very much like I did with this one, is I went back and I watched the originals before watching the remakes and uh, The Blob is just, uh, that shit is a fucking masterpiece to me and, and that that song, beware of the blobs. <laughs> uh, like I I worked in spirit, so I I fucking love that song uh, because they play you know very much like in any kind of fucking like uh, store where you get like the Christmas music and that kind of bullshit, which I think uh, Stephen had a whole rant about during the uh, Black Christmas episode. Crap. Um, <laughs> He goes on his rants. We, yes. we just let him talk. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, he likes his own voice. <laughs> I, I, I mean, you don't become a podcaster if you hate your voice. Uh, sometimes I just record myself just to play myself back and go, tell me a story, Chunky. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, thank you very much for throwing the plugs out. If you guys are here just for Erica, Kuhau. <laughs> you got it, you got it. I got it right, I got it right. Kuhau. And how. Um, but you have enjoyed the show, which I, yeah, thanks. Uh, Want to find out more? You can do that in a couple of different ways. You can start by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash creature pod, by following us on Twitter and Instagram at creature pod, or you can also go to geeksoftheindustry.com 
uh, click on the Creature Features link and go back through the back catalog. If you want to hear that Summer of Remakes that I was talking about, uh, it's different format, but it's still my fat ass telling people all about movies that you know I either like or hate. And uh, the Summer of Remakes, there was a lot more hate than like, <laughs> not for nothing. Um, but yeah, man, definitely do all of that stuff. We're going to keep this theme uh, Suffer the Children going for the rest of January. I know we're starting a little bit late, and that's just because I went to fucking Disneyland for Christmas with my family, so uh, getting this shit ready was low on the totem pole. Not the titty totem pole, but uh, the Not podcast the totem, totem life totem pole. Um, low on that totem pole for me at least is is getting back into the saddle and the swing um, but I'm absolutely doing that I've got some really fucking interesting guests that I'm uh, currently working with and uh, setting up times for that you guys are going to be fucking blown away by I, I made a decree to myself and I put together a list at the end of the year on, on New Year's Eve I went and I wrote a list and I'll share it with you guys off air um, of the people that I want to talk to in 2018 and it's going to blow your fucking hair back so I I absolutely hope you guys stick around and find out more about us but like I said we're going to keep this theme going and our next fucking episode is going to be a hell of a lot better of a film I, I don't know if it'll be as good of a conversation because I won't have my cahoot <laughs> <laughs> I'll be back though. You have me on two more episodes coming up uh, yeah. throughout the year, so yeah. Oh no, you're gonna be on more than that. Don't worry about it. I'm gonna steal you from them. Uh, <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> but you uh, don't care. Uh, our next film he he, is. He said he's stealing me from you. We're coming on. Dylan yeah. and are coming on too. You're coming on this us. month. She is. Yeah. Uh, but our next film isn't her. It's going to be uh, our discussion on. Carrie, and and not not the not the Rage Carrie two, not the TV movie, and not the one with Chloe Grace Mortiz. None of those. I'm talking Brian De Palma, Big Dick, fucking Carrie, um, plug it up, all that shit. PJ Souls, like we're gonna fucking go for it. And if you guys haven't seen Carrie, seriously, <laughs> but uh, definitely go check it out because we definitely will be spoiling the shit out of that. Um, it's going to be a good time. However, for Erica Kuhau and for myself, again, my name is Chunky. This has been another episode of the Creature Features Podcast on GeeksOfTheIndustry.com, Stitcher, and iTunes. Listen to someone you trust.
also the very evil children took the dog out to play in the park. Then they took him home and refused to set him on fire. Another man is dead. Why do you hate us so much, Mara? It isn't a matter of hate. It is a biological obligation. We're thinking of what happened to the others. Then our actions shouldn't surprise you. We have to survive no matter what the cost. We are the only ones left now. Well, I don't see why we can't reach an understanding. And why can't we just live together? If we coexist, we shall dominate you. That is inevitable. Eventually, you will try to eliminate us. We are all creatures of the life force. Now it has set us at one another to see who will survive. That's a cruel sport. Life is cruelty. We all feed on each other, exploit each other in some way to survive. I don't agree with you. I think that adaptation is the key to survival. Cooperation and symbiosis, and compassion. Why do you think your own survival depends upon emotion from us? Should we pity you? Empathize with your plight? You should feel! You should feel something! Without feelings, you're nothing. You're just second-rate mimics of a higher organism. That's right, a higher organism. We're your superiors in our capacity to love. Without compassion, you're a doomed species. Emotion is irrelevant. It is not our nature. Well, I'm not so sure you're right about that, Mara. Still, you are aware of the other colonies. So you must be, in some basic sense, aware of who, what we are. Yes. So the question becomes, should you be allowed to live? You're suddenly thinking of an ocean. You're blocking your thoughts rather effectively with this image. We must leave here, spread out, disperse. Soon, we will have reached a stage where we can form new colonies. You will arrange a method of getting us away from here. What if I refuse you? You are a prisoner of your values, and you won't be able to deceive us. You know that.
don't you? Father? Yes, 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 I know that, Mara. Make your arrangements. We must leave tonight. 